CalCast is delivered by FedEx, our presenting sponsor. Visit FedEx.com slash e-commerce to see how FedEx helps businesses reach new customers and simplify their shipping operations every day. See how FedEx can help you grow your business and save time on shipping at FedEx.com slash e-commerce. That's FedEx.com slash e-commerce. Hello, folks. Coach Cal from the CalCast. This podcast that uh, we're doing and, and being able to connect uh, with friends and people that I really respect, um, getting advice, getting tips, me writing down nuggets from everybody. Uh, this has been a ball for me. And, and this week, Jay Williams. That's right. ESPN, Jay Williams, NBA basketball player. A Duke basketball, don't be booing, folks, no booing, 36 double-figure scoring games in a single season at Duke. He scored 2,079 points at Duke. He graduated college in three years. He talks about his family. He talks about his grandparents. He talks about his grandmother. Um, you're talking about a player, the second-best player to ever play at St. Joe's High School. The best was Carl Towns, but he was the second best. I got to talk a little bit about our last two games. Down 12, 15, whatever it was to Florida and come back and win. Um, down 19 to Vanderbilt at home. Down 19. They make every shot. We miss every shot. Um, make it close at halftime by just scrambling up the game because we couldn't have played straight up basketball. They'd have beat us by 25. They, they were making threes. They're getting into a rhythm of how they're playing. Vandy has the number one schedule in the country they played. They deserve to be an NCAA tournament team. And here's what my team's learning. They're learning to fight. But you have to stick together. You have to stay with the script. And you may need some help from the other team, missing free throws, missing a couple plays, turning it over. They panic a little bit. You may need some help, but you must stick to the script. If you break it off and try to do your own thing, we cannot win. If they do it, I'm subbing them. You'll know. Say the guy broke off the script. He got to come out. But I can't fight for you. I can't show the energy. I can't show the desire. But I said it in the podcast, getting them to think in terms of how do we win this game? And if we're up, how do we score four or five more baskets yet give them nothing easy? Because then they don't have enough time to catch us. That's that mentality we're looking for. Um, tough one this weekend at Texas A&M, they've been overtime games, a t bad technical one, Isaac, last year. Oh, my gosh, the most ridiculous call I've ever seen. And I had to sit there and not say anything about it. Well, I'm saying it a year later. It is going to be a hard game. They're playing better. They're doing great. Texas A&M, Billy Kennedy's got them playing. Um, now it's, it's on. One more game. How about that? The season's over after this weekend, and then you the regular season, then you go into postseason, your tournament, the NCAA tournament, which is the fun time for us and me. It's what I love. The rest of the season is for one reason, preparing for March. Everything is to prepare for March. Guys are getting better. They're learning to fight.
Incredible home cooking has never been made more attainable thanks to Blue Apron. Because for less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers easy-to-follow seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. No more overspending at restaurants or high-end grocery stores with Blue Apron. You can prepare delicious, memorable meals yourself in under 40 minutes. Let me get Ellen, uh, who I don't even have to yell for. She's like breathing on my neck right now. Thank goodness. Uh, Would you want to talk about the Cajun catfish and spiced rice, which was outstanding? It was very good. Had some collard greens with it for the vegetable and... The catfish is always quick and easy to make. Uh, it had some mushrooms in it. Had the long grain white rice, it, and it was pan fried. It was yes. And the, and and I, you know, I'm not a mushroom guy, so I told you to just separate those for me and the collard greens. But that, the collard greens were good too. That's because I cooked them. All right. <laughs> what did, what did I help you with? Um, nothing this time. No. No pita chips this time. No, no pita chips. All right. <laughs> Some of the meals available in March include salmon piccata with orzo and broccoli. I had the orzo the other day with broccoli, really good. Spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice. I'm eating that this afternoon. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping right to your door by going to blueapron.com slash coach. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash coach. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Jay Williams, we all know, played at Duke, won the national title in 2001, was college player of the year in 2002. The conversation from basketball, his opinions, I think you're going to enjoy. I enjoyed it. I mean, I one, I have great respect for him and really like him, and he knows that. I, I respect what he's about, that he's a truth teller. He's not one that's going to sugarcoat it, um, has gotten himself in trouble with Duke fans because he's not always going to toe the line. They go nuts. But you know what? He's speaking the truth. He's speaking his opinion. It's what they pay him for at ESPN. I've said to him, and I'll say it to you before, and I've said it to him too, is he's not always going to agree with me or be tell me I'm doing great, but I know he has no agenda. It's what he really believes, and it's his opinion. And it's not being something personal. It's just what his opinion is, and that's why I can always live with what he says. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. Have a cup of coffee with us. I'm not going to let you interject, but you can sit with us and listen to the conversation. A guy that um, uh, I've grown to really respect and have admiration uh, for because he speaks his mind. Um, he's not afraid to speak his mind. And I, I've said this to you, Jay Will. That's Jay Will. I've said this to you. If you get on me, I know it's never going to be personal. It's just your opinion. And I'm never going to be bothered by it because you don't take this stuff personal. How about... You say something about Duke, they go nuts. So you're supposed to just be a shill, and you're never going to be that. Never! You just, that's not who you are. It's not how you were raised. It's not what it's about. So we're going to get into a lot of stuff at this little conversation you and I having coffee. But let's talk about 
heading into madness. This year, would you say, more than any other, there are pro- how many teams do you think could, one, get to a Final Four, and then normally it's like 12, 10, and then the other one is national title, it's 4 or 5, it's going to be one of these 4 or 5. I think it's different this year. I know it is with my team because I have no idea right now. <laughs> what, what, what are hey, you thinking? By the way, uh, your, your team, I, I tell you, I, I, I think sometimes fans need to give you more credit than what you deserve. And I know you, you get a lot of credit, but I, if you could see what happens behind closed doors when Seth Greenberg and I watch your games, I feel like the ultimate fan. Same with Seth. Like We end up throwing stuff at the TV there's times where we get pissed off. We start yelling at players. Like, you see, you know, like Malik Monk, are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, we need you to be who you are, who we know you are all the time. So the fact that you can maintain your poise, my man. First I don't, off, I don't, I don't, I don't maintain my poise, <laughs> oh, but go my ahead. Um, this year's crazy. You know, we were, you know, I think one of the great parts about doing game days, you get a chance to travel around and see all different teams from different conferences. And when we went out to the Pac-12, you, you watch UCLA, you watch Oregon, you watch Arizona. Okay, three teams right there that could be in a Final Four, that could win a championship. When we go out and we go to the ACC and you pay attention to North Carolina, you pay attention to a Louisville, uh, you pay attention to you know uh, a team like Duke who's you know on and off, um, but it is right there too. You know, depending upon what happens with there. Okay. Maybe maybe two and a half, three teams there. You go out to the Big Twelve. Uh, let's talk about KU and then win your thirteenth straight Big Twelve regular season title, which is incredible, by the way. It's it blows my mind that they've been able to get thirteen straight, either a share or win it outright. And then you think about a Baylor, and then you think about a West Virginia. Okay, like three teams there too. I think about even the SEC with you guys obviously being a team. Uh, you know, you guys are a team that sometimes I watch you play. I'm like, God damn, that, that's a team that is just going to be a championship team. And then sometimes I, I wonder, I'm like, I, I hope they make it to the Sweet 16. It, <laughs> and they, 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 they have, I'm saying have the same, the I'm saying the same it's exact crazy. thing. Believe me, I'm it's saying crazy. the same thing. Uh, so I, I don't know if Florida could be in that conversation. You know, the, the reality of the Cal, I, I don't know, maybe 13 teams that could, that could win it. Um, I think that's it. I get lost more and more. Then we're not even talking about Gonzaga. I think they're a really good basketball What about team, Villanova? What about Villanova? Then, yep, then Villanova as well. I mean, look, the one thing I always, the one thing you know that you're going to get with Villanova and Kansas is that defensively, you know what kind of energy and effort you're going to get every night. And look, I, I haven't coached any games on a collegiate level. I've coached a lot of games at your fantasy camp. But I'll tell you one thing. When I, when I, when I coach guys who bring energy and effort, every day in our fantasy camp games, that, that at least gives me a little inclination to understand who my team is. I, I can expect what my team is going to bring energy level to the table, uh, where some teams are known to be better offensive teams, but those teams probably defensively are the two best defensive teams that we mentioned. You know, it's funny. I'm telling these players what you're just saying. I said to my team right now, sometimes I think we are a fantasy team, but here's what I'm saying. You're responsible for your energy, your effort, your fight every day. We are responsible for the technical stuff. Like last night against Vandy, we had to scramble the game. Well, that's up to us staff, me, to say Mm -hmm. we better scramble this game up or we're not going to beat them. 
we got to get into their clock because if they have 22 seconds in the half court, we're not beating them. We got to get it down to 12, 13 seconds in the half court so they take tough shots. Then we got to hope some of these threes, they're, they're banking, that they don't bank in. And, but the energy and effort, that's on players. And that is what's Agreed. really, really difficult when you're coaching because you don't know. Like, just be within 5% of who you are. And I can coach. When you're down, when you drop 40% into the bucket, you it's hard because you don't know what to expect from guys. So you you got that right. And when you watch my team, I mean, there'll be spells in the game that you say, just play like that 40 minutes, you can win the whole thing. And then there are other spells. Well, I always that, think that's, <laughs> go ahead. I, I always think that's an interesting thing, Cal. And I think that you, you're, you're confronted with that each and every year, right? So, prime example, my freshman year in college, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Was I as talented as a De'Aaron Fox or Malik Monk? Hell no. Um, but I, I want it to be great, right? Whereas all of a sudden my sophomore year, I figured it out. I figured out that I played to the best of my degree when I was pissed off. I played when I found that there was something I didn't like about the opposing team or the opposing fan base. Whatever it was, I had to find a way to make sure that I was bringing a tenacity, an energy level to the table that you know made me excel my my my, my god-given talent to be good that was one thing because i worked my ass off in the gym but it, it mentality is everything in this sport and when you have players that have the caliber of talent that your players do is it, it purely comes down to the mentality that you approach the game with and like, you yeah, and you, and you make it personal you got to make it personal exactly. every game Every game, like, like I would say to the and Aaron Fox, every opponent who the guy you're guarding, you can't just say, "Well, I don't care, I'm good." He may have got me today, but I'm good. No, you got to make mm-hmm. this stuff personal. Now, I, I I need you to say this, and then I'm going to make my players listen to this podcast because it's what what you're saying. I said Michael Jordan. When you read what he said, every week I changed. There was some reason that I was playing. There's something that inspired me, and I made sure every mm. week, one week it may have been his father. One may, week he may have walked into every building and looked at a little kid and said, this kid is going to be amazed when he walks out of this building. And you're saying the same thing. You figured out you, I got to be angry. I got to take make this personal. I got to look at this guy and have some disgust for him and let him know when you leave, you're going to know who you played. Uh, that's what's hard with these kids today because the AAU, you got three games in a night. And my job is to get them to fight like crazy for 40. And I'm telling you, it's it's the challenge that I have. Well, the beautiful thing about it, Cal, is that, you know, when as a player, when you learn, hey, okay, I'm fighting for my teammates, right? I'm fighting for the brotherhood, right? And I'm also I'm fighting for me. So, like, finding your purpose is everything. So, you know, if I'm if I'm the Aaron Fox, will, will I probably be a top ten draft pick? Yes, but why do I want to set my bar so low? I already know I'm going to be a top ten draft pick. I want to be the best damn guard that ever played at Kentucky. I want to be the number one point guard taken. I don't want to hear stuff. You, you, exactly. We're talking and, the same and by language. The way, I want everybody who I play against to know that hey, you might expect it me to you might expect me to drop twenty on you, but I dropped thirty on you. I dropped. You know, I forced seven turnovers because not only am I dominating you offensively, but now I'm dominating you defensively because I want to dominate your mentality. I want you to walk off that damn court and be like, 
yo, that kid is everything and more than what people told me he was going to be. I don't want there to be any doubt left at all in your brain that the next time you see me, that now you're not going to get a better effort than what I just gave you because I know I am setting my own bar for myself. Like that's when you start learning about what your purpose is as a player. And those are the players with that kind of mentality where as a GM or a president of a team or as a fan of the game, you back, you sit back and you say, oh man, like I don't, I don't want to play against that dude. He's relentless. He doesn't, give, he doesn't give a shit who you are. He doesn't care. Like those are the kind of players that take your game to the next level. And, That's who all the players and, should and, be. And here's what I would say. You made a statement. It took you a year. And then in your sophomore year, you got it. And it's, you're off to yep. the races because you had it figured out. We're trying to get these kids within six, eight months to figure it out. And that's the mm-hmm. challenge of what I do. And the challenge is to get them to sacrifice, to be about each other. That's one. But the other side is create the habits and the mentality you need to be successful. We're trying to, and, in, and let me tell you, I don't say break habits, create new ones. Cause I'm not here. I don't have enough time to get you to break all the 27 habits that stink that hold you back. We don't have time to break those. So I'm not worried about those. I'm worried about creating successful habits and it's all what you talked about and doing it in short order. All right. How about this? Tell me what you think of conference tournaments at the end of the year. Uh, I always laugh at the conference tournament. I'm always going to be real with you, Kyle. The first thing I think about a conference tournament, I think about money. Right. The amount of money some of right. these conferences That's are what making it's out about. the tournament, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's always about money, right? And as a player, you know, look, you're always incentivized to try to win every game you play in. Do you want to win your conference tournament? Yeah, you always want to win your conference tournament, especially if, it, like, you guys in particular, you have a chance to potentially be a number one seed, depending upon what happens in other conference tournaments. But, I mean, realistically, if if you lose a game a tad bit early in the conference tournament, you don't win the whole thing. Is that going to stop you from winning a championship? No, like it. Um, I don't know. I always get angry at conference tournaments, especially for the smaller conferences, because like I, I don't feel like we reward the best teams. Like prime example, like the American East with Vermont, right? They've been undefeated. If they happen to lose in their conference tournament, you're not getting the best representation from that league. You're you're getting a, a team that just happens to get to the tournament. I don't want to knock them for having a chance to participate in the tournament. And I know fans love that from a madness perspective, but you're not getting the best representation from that conference. So it's, it is about money. That's, a, that's what everything is about at the end of the day. How about this? How about if you have to play your conference championship on Sunday and you may have, and, and, and let's just listen now, you have to play it on Sunday <laughs> and you know, they're going to make you play on Thursday. They're not going to say, well, let's make sure that those players, don't worry about coaches and the program. We don't want to do that to the players because they're going to have to play five games in eight days if you go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Saturday. Five games in eight days, and they look at you and say, well, that's not part of the criteria. It should be. It should be Uh because this is about these players. It's not about a program. It's not about a committee. It's not about the coach. Well, we like the coach or don't like the coach, so we're going to do – listen, conference tournaments that end on Sunday, those teams should not have to play till Friday because you care about the kids. Do you remember when they did the playing games and they had teams playing within 24 hours and they finally the got hours it? of the game? Yeah, uh, you remember? Well, that's what – it's always looked at as a business, Cal. That's the problem. It's never looked at 
from a humanistic perspective, like wh- how you're approaching it right now. It's never looked at that way. Well, I say, again, they, people think I'm crazy. Why don't we play a preseason tournament? If you want to play a tournament to make money, do it preseason. You ready? And make sure every team gets to play at least three games. So instead of a team going to the tournament and only playing one, you get to play three. And maybe you do it at two sites. Or you do a preseason tournament, and then your regular season winner is who who gets the automatic bid. Now, I'm nuts when I say, it. ah, it's Cal, he's out of his mind. But I believe it. I don't think conference tournaments do anything to prepare you. Here, here's another one. You ready? What about if it's a three-day tournament, there's two games, quarterfinals, semifinals, and then a day off, and then you play the finals. How about that one? Because, again, yeah, what is three? <laughs> yeah, you're going to go three days in a row and then play two more games? It's crazy. But anyway, so you kind of feel like I do about conference tournaments. We're on the same page with that, my friend. I, I, think, that, I think conference tournaments are jokes. All right, so the selection committee. Let me give you some things that the coaches got together and came back at the selection committee with. We wanted transparency. We don't want a smoke-filled room, and all of a sudden on that Sunday you come out and you have TV cameras in front of kids when they get absolutely devastated. We want to have an idea of who the top teams are prior to, like they do in football, women's basketball, baseball, every other sport. Well, we don't do it in basketball. Why? Because we don't. And that's our story, and we're sticking with it. Well, (laughs) now all of a sudden they did it. I thought it was great. We also came and said, forget this RPI, have a composite, because you got the BPI. You have the, the Palm, who I look at most because it's efficiencies, and it's more based on how your team is playing. Um, we even said, what about the number one seeds, the number one one, all the number one seeds get to pick their site where they want to play. The fourth number one seed, you get what's left. And then there's no argument, well, we were the number one seed and we had the best. Well, where do you want to play? We want to play West. Okay, you're West. Next one, where do you want to play? Want to play Midwest mid uh, or South? Great, you got it. You want to play East? Okay, last number one, that's where you're playing. And let those guys decide. Why, why not take that off the hands of that committee? So we talked about that. Here's my other thing. You know, what about making a statement about what conference tournaments are going to do and the impact they'll have on seating and placement in the tournament. Just say it before we start these tournaments. Not going to have much because we're going to do the whole body of work. It may get you in or out of the tournament, but your seat is not going to be moved much by winning or losing in that tournament because it's a it's a one weekend, one shot, you know. I believe they should do those. Is there? How do you feel about the selection and what they need to do? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you, I mean, in order to be fully transparent, how can you be fully transparent if there's not a criteria that's set for you to establish all these different ideas that you have? You really can't, right? It's it, a lot of it's subjective, isn't it? With all these individuals who are on right. the committee and there about is what they what each, they value. Each that's individual problem. can say and do what they want, but you can, as a group, it. say like the transparency. Like they did it. Here are the top four seeds. I thought it was great. People are going to play out of that and play into it, but you know that you're playing out or in. You know what I'm saying? The more you can let this be in the players' hands, I believe the better. 
I would agree with you. I think the RPI method is antiquated. I think it's outdated. I think SOR, BPI, there's all these new metrics out there that we can use, Kimpom, uh, that can help us better assess uh, the strength of the schedule of a team or how that team factors in um, losses at neutral sites or you know, if players are hurt or injured for that. I just think that it's it's always interesting when I think about the NCAA because it's always I always hear that response go. Well, this is the way we've done it, so I'm like, well, just because you've done it this way doesn't make it right or the most efficient way to do it. Um, there's all these new metrics out there that I think we need to start utilizing way more of. And I love the fact that if you're number one overall seed, you should get to determine where you play at. Uh, if you're a second overall number seed, you should get what's left, and then obviously follow with your your criteria going down forward from there. Um, I think there's a new horizon. And I think now that we have more voices in the game, such as yourself, such as, you know, you have Jay Bills who always talks about this stuff. Um, I think that makes a difference in the, in the entire gambit. Yeah. And, and you know what, having your voices out there uh, to, to understand, I think anytime they make a decision that's not about the players, they're always wrong. And anytime they make a decision about what does this do to the players, they're always right. Just what is right for these kids? How do we make it so that we're about them and what they're doing and every decision we make, every transparency? But anyway, all right, let's get a quick timeout. Can you imagine listening to dozens of voicemails and reading hundreds of emails from subpar candidates when you post a job for your company? Now that's madness. Join more than 1 million businesses that stop juggling calls and emails to their office and now use ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface to quickly screen candidates, rate them, and then hire the right person fast. You can find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. And ZipRecruiter lets you add multiple people to your account. It's the most efficient way for your team to find the best tire. And if you have any issues, ZipRecruiter's friendly and human support staff is ready to help. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal. See for yourself why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses Again, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal and post your jobs for free. A few months ago in mid-December, as soldiers returned home from the holidays and flew into Richmond International Airport, they were greeted with unexpected slice of home. Papa John's wanted to say thank you to our troops and prepared 3,000 free fresh pizzas to welcome our nation's great servicemen and women home. It's another great example of what makes Papa John's more than just a pizza company. They're a pizza family. And they're all about quality, quality people, quality experiences, and of course, quality pizza. March is here. And as you get together in the office or with friends and family to watch some great tournament action, make sure you order Papa John's pizza and some great sides to make the game even better. You can use my exclusive promo code, Coach Cal, and get 25% off the regular menu price on anything you'd like when you order on the Papa John's app 
or at papajohns.com. You can use my promo code, Coach Cal, any day of the week, but the offer is good at participating stores in the U.S. only. Again, order on papajohns.com or on the Papa John's mobile app. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. All right. You went to Arizona UCLA and took off your shirt and it said UCLA. You said UCLA. <laughs> they were throwing toilet paper. They were I mean, and and you know what? You, I hate to tell you you were right. You were right. And, but what led you to believe that UCLA would go to to Arizona, who by the way has a heck of a team now. Woo. Mm-hmm. A heck of a team. Mm-hmm. What led you to believe that UCLA could do that? Well, you know, we, we end up watching with your with your guy Seth Greenberg, my homeboy. We watch so much tape, and we're he's, we're he's really good. By the way, you you two he's won, incredible. You two together are really good. But I've had people that don't know he and I are friends that said that Greenberg is really good, and so well he's good. Like and he you know he's. A great basketball mind, a little bit of a jag off, but a great basketball mind, and and will and is not afraid to speak his mind. I mean, he's good. He's good. He's competitive as hell now. I'll, I'll oh, tell you that. Oh my gosh! Oh my! I had to coach against uh, the guy. The guy was trying to steal every, my watch and shoes. I had to, I'd end the game without shoes on. I'm like, what the hell are you by doing? By the way, we we all laugh our tails off when he has to interview you uh, after a TV timeout because. We, First off, he gets so intimidated. He's like, ah, I'm not asking Cal that. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to ask him that. Why would I ask him? I jump a little gasket on him. Look at the way they're playing. <laughs> it's like he factors into all the different emotional things that you're going through before he even asks you a question. Because he sat in the seat and he one. knows. He knows. But I get it. I get it. And you know what, too, Cal? If you've given me a lot of perspective, I think sometimes as a former player, and look, I'm around coaches all the time, and I worked for a sports agency back in the day, and you think you understand somewhat of what the grind is. And then I sit with Seth and we start going over his day-to-day schedule, what it was when he was a coach and, you know, the sensitivity issues of how you, I, I do worry about how I say things now because I'm not, I'm not in the grind the way you guys are. Your, your job is 24, seven, 365. I don't know how the hell you guys do it. I feel like I would be great before I even started between managing kids, between managing the universities and expectations for the fans, between you know, managing all the static behind the scenes with agents, with family members who think they have what's in the right kids' interest and you know, other people that want to infiltrate that and, and get kids assigned different places. And how do you get the kid to even keep his damn head on straight? Like That's time-consuming. And then for somebody who doesn't have the understanding of your program the way that you do, to be openly critical about and, it and throw, and throw fly in the ointment mm-hmm. and you don't even understand. You're right. It's, and, and I said I this to, you, be, the, the beginning, as long as a guy doesn't have an agenda, I'm fine with, especially if I know the guy's a good guy and that's his opinion. I respect that. It's the guy that has the agenda that's trying to help the other school or help another league or trying to put a coach down just because he doesn't like the guy. Those guys I have a problem with, and I literally won't deal with them. I won't talk to them. I won't go near them. I don't care. You're not having an interview with me. You know what you are. You are what you are. You and I know what you are, and I'm not dealing with you. The good people with this, I'll talk to anybody. And I'll like you, I'll, one of my problems is I'll speak my mind. And, and I'll tell the truth. What I see is the truth. I'm not, you know, what I, what I believe is right isn't always popular. But what is always popular isn't right either. 
And so, you know, you and I kind of deal with it the same. But you picked that game. And I did. Did did you think Gonzaga would lose? I I, I didn't think Gonzaga. I I didn't think they would lose until they got to the Final Four, to be frank with you. I I had no idea that they would lose at home to BYU. That was a little bit shocking. But once again, if anybody knows how difficult it is to go undefeated, I'm sure you can speak on that. Um, It's. You know, I, that's the most challenging part about any of these teams is about uh, playing with that sense of purpose each and every day. And the one thing I did pay attention to with Arizona is that defensively, they they are so damn good. It's off the charts. And they're but big. The way, and they're big. Oh, and they're huge. They're huge with marketing and, and then, you know, Tucson Ristic as well. But I don't know, man. Cal, watching, watching LeVar Ball, I mean, not LeVar, think about that, Lonzo Ball play. There, there's some players who just have a feel for the game. And I, I've said this on first take. I've said this on Mike and Mike. He reminds me so much of Jason Kidd just because he, he has the same size. Shoots it better. Shoots it better. Shoots it. Agree. <laughs> shoots it better. But it, I don't find too many players in the collegiate level or the pro level where all their teammates absolutely love playing with them. Right. Well, well like, here's uh, the other thing about Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was more physical than him. Like Jason Kidd agreed. would bulldoze yeah. you, and and this kid doesn't. Can I tell you my my feel on it? He's not afraid of to course. make a mistake, and he's not afraid to make a game winning shot. He plays that way, and if he misses, he'll move on. So whatever his dad did, or the coaches, or Steve is doing now to get him in that frame of mind, that's in my opinion why he's so dangerous. But you just thought that he could go in there and not be afraid and make his team feel comfortable, and that's why you did it. That's why you just said, "I think they're getting it." Yeah, well, I was also watching the you know watching the teams work out a little bit, and just watching UCLA how much effort and time they're putting into defending now. They're a different team than what they were a month ago. Now, look, I'm not saying they're going to go ahead and win the whole thing because any team can lose. But defensively, they're getting after it in a different way. And, you know, I, look, I, I was a guy who was a little bit consumed with his offense. It wasn't until I started getting my head busted in that I started to understand how imperative it was to get lost in that passion of defensively trying to lock down somebody as well. But it, it seems like they're starting to understand that. And when, when you have – I kind of equate them to a QB – Right, when you watch one of these great QBs, I'm not saying it's Tom Brady, but they kind of go through their pro- their progressions when they're you know dropping back in the pocket, and that's what this kid. It's almost like he looks at the basketball court in somewhat of a matrix type form, where he sees things. The game is happening very fast, but he sees he sees them at 20 miles per hour. I think that's a gift. I mean, you surround him with shooters, and then some of the athletic pieces they have down low. I, I just felt like things were moving in their direction. TJ Leaf killed us here. Just absolutely killed us. And um, that was a bad matchup for us. All right, how about this one? You're going to go to the Duke-North Carolina game on game day, and you're uh-huh. gonna, are you going to pick – you don't have to tell me who it's going to be. Are you going to pick who's winning the game, te- jerking off your shirt? You're just grabbing it from the buttons, busting? Are you, are you picking – First off, you know I love to mess with people. You know I love a little drama in my life. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. going to do something a little bit entertaining there. Uh, I don't. I stopped caring about what people thought maybe about six years ago. I think for the first, you know, I've been doing TV since I've been 23 years old now. Like, you know, my NBA career got cut short. Shit happens. I get it. And I started to try to find myself in TV, which was a little bit depressing at first because 
when I first started making picks, I couldn't win. If I were to pick, if you guys are playing against Florida and I pick Florida to win, I get hated on by Kentucky fans. If I pick Kentucky to win, I get hated on by Florida fans. If I pick Duke to win, I'm a homer. Of course you're going to pick Coach K. You know, you're always on Coach K's dock, blah, blah, blah. If I pick North Carolina to win, we knew you wanted to go to school there. You're a traitor. We, we're going to take down your jersey. We don't want your 22 jersey hanging in the Raptors. <laughs> we hate you. So I get to the point where I'm like, no, nah, I hate you. I hate all you guys. Like, I don't, I'm going to tell you exactly what I feel, what I think, and how I feel out the game. And it's, it's not because I like one team or the other. I honestly don't care. Uh, I'm, I have the best seat to a courtside game of the weekend. And that's what I'm there to enjoy. So, Yes, is it going to be a little bit dramatic? Of course, uh, but we're going to have fun. There still is an entertainment aspect involved in basketball. We are just talking about, I know there's a lot of money at stake and there's a number one tees, but at the end of the day, basketball was my safe haven, man. It was a fun sport. I can get away from all the, the crap I dealt with, with my, my dad beating up my mom back in the day, with financial issues that we had before I got drafted, with the politics of things. It was my place to have fun. And that's what I like to remember basketball for. And let me say this, watching you on TV, I love it when you're smiling. And it's like 98% of the time, unless somebody's coming at you and you're having to fight your position. Short of that, you got a smile on your face. And I'm telling you, it comes across, it makes it fun. And Seth, the same thing. Here, here's the one thing you can do, and you know it, it comes through TV. If two guys don't get along or they're just they're doing a job, it comes across the TV. If two guys really mm-hmm. respect each other and like each other and can argue with each other and it's never personal, it comes across. And it does for you. All right. You came out of high school. Uh, from St. Joe's, and the, the best player to ever play at St. Joe's, Carl Towns. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it, you're right. You're right. So, I'm so pass the torch. Hey, so, but what would you say when you were at your best? Obviously, you told us, you and I talking here, that I had to get in a mindset that I was, I wanted somebody bad, and I did, I just didn't like them, or I, there was something that made me a little angry. I played better. I played sharper. What as a coach, if I'm coaching someone like you, um, and I and I, you know, that we're on we're on like steroids here as far as how fast mm-hmm. this has to move. We don't have time for the, uh, you know, uh, um, you're okay, and you know the we we tell the truth, we keep it real, and keep moving. I mean, how? What would you say, coach? Here's what I would do. Here's how I would do me that would have got the best out of me? Me personally, I, I needed targets. I needed to be incentivized by targets. Prime example, if we're about to play North Carolina, um, you know, if that's a quote that somebody on North Carolina said about our team, if I need, I need daily reminders too of goals I need to hit. Right. So for me personally, I would, I, I, hated playing against Ed Cota. I didn't like Ed Cota. Now, probably a lot of that was dealt with for the fact that, you know, I wanted to go to school at North Carolina originally. I grew up watching Kenny Smith play. I didn't know about ACC rivalries. I grew up with Georgetown basketball, John Thompson. Okay. He retired. My dad didn't want me to go to school there and think he can go to North Carolina. But when it didn't happen, I went to Duke and I fell in love with that program. Like I would have a little picture of Ed Cota in my locker. So every day I'm like, okay, they got this dude first team all American. 
it was a constant reminder for me that now I wanted to be there early. Now I wanted to stay late. Now I might have put more pressure on myself for that game in particular. But I think when you have a target, when you have something visual that you can focus on, and, and I think when the coach is good enough to keep that changing, right? So each day you have different targets. So if it was, hey, your target today throughout the summer, my, my freshman to sophomore year, that summer is what made me. Cal, like I could have went home. I could have messed around with my friends on the block, done the same old dumb stuff I've always done, just hang out. But I, I chose to stay down at school. And every day, Johnny Dawkins would do things like, hey, 400 made shots. He would leave a little note in my locker where he said the number 400. I'm like, okay, 400 made shots. And the next week, that would change. 600 made shots. Until I was making around 900 to 1,000 made shots a day. Right? And I would keep goals. Like, all right, out of the 400 shots I made, you know, 230. Mark it down. I have to beat 230 tomorrow or I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to run. I'm going to do more. Because I always, I was always the kid that grew up with a chip on his shoulder. I wasn't the kid who was told, hey, you're going to be the next great. All right? I was the kid who, who kind of busted on the scene late. So for me, I always had people that I, want, I wanted to aspire to be better than. And I knew that the only way for me to be better than them was to outwork them. Because I had to put in the time. So if you're telling me a story about John Wall coming into the gym an hour before the game, like that, the challenge for De'Aaron Fox is, no, De'Aaron, you should be here two hours before the game. Like, you want to be better than John Wall, right? Well, he was here an hour before the game. He's a perennial all-star. He's a guy that could lead Washington to the finals of the Eastern Conference, potentially. You want to be better than him? How are you going to outwork him? Because nobody's going to give it to you. Like, nobody's going to give you the first pick in the NBA draft. Like, you have to go out. You have to take everything that's out there. Nobody's going to just feed you. It's not a buffet style. I'm coaching you during the game. You know, how do I hold you accountable? Um, do I give you, here's how we're playing this first segment and let you do your thing? Uh, do I say, I mean, wh- wh- you know, it, you had a bunch of other good players on your team. You stirred the drink, okay? You stirred the drink. But you had other good players on your team. So what would it be during the game? I needed, I would need for you to tell me exactly how it is. Like, I, I deal better with confrontation on the court because for, and, and this is wrong. Cause you know, I, we actually did a, a segment on this on game day where I think our, our, our culture is changing somewhat where there's all these different sensitivity issues. Kind of like if you were to curse at me, I wouldn't take it personally. Right. I'm from Jersey. I'm used to people cursing all the time. Actually, if, if the more in my face you were, the more I look at him like, damn, this dude really cares about me. You know, the doozy, I, and you don't care about that, or the guys that you're not talking to, the guys whose faces you're not in. Well, if I call you, if I call you by number, you got a problem. If you're number exactly. 12, 12, come over here. You got a problem. <laughs> okay. All right. But you know what, though? You have my attention. Yeah. Like, I'm going to listen to what, what you have to say. So I, I, that's how I get motivated. I, you know, hey, like, hey, Jay, that, that dude's busting your ass. Like, are you kidding me? You gave up 10 points in the first 13 minutes of the game? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, I, I keep it real, challenge, but, but here's what it is. Everybody want, they'll tell me they come here because they know I'm going to keep it real and our staff, we're not going to sugarcoat this. We don't have time, but it's hard when they're keeping it real with them personally. And the hardest thing is you figured out and you said it took you a year. You build your own self-confidence and your own self-worth. You do it. And when you built it, there's nothing I could say to take it away. 
So you were fine. Scream, yell, cuss, do what you want. You're not changing who I am. I've made myself who I am. That's what I'm trying to get through to these kids. I'm not the guy that can just build you up and build your confidence because the first time I get on you, I take your confidence away. You want to rely on someone else for your confidence? You rely on yourself for your confidence. But that's the changing part and also the part that I'm trying to teach them the habits they have to have. Um, you seem to learn, you know, but it, it, like you said, it took you some time, right? It, it, it took me a whole year. It took me a year because I, when I first got to school, I, I was somewhat, I was somewhat fragile. And, and look, man, like, you know, the, the AAU circuit that doesn't prepare you for college bass. What doesn't prepare you to put on a Kentucky Jersey and be the, the ex that people are targeting each and every day. Like you are everybody else's biggest game of the year. People can make their name off dropping 20 points against a Malik Monk or a Bam Adebayo or De'Aaron Fox. Like that takes a different mindset to start preparing to be in 24-7. Because when you play AAU basketball, you're playing three, four games. Do you want to win? Yeah, but at the end of the day, you're still you hungry. For game like you're still yeah, hungry. I dropped, I dropped 40 on that team. <laughs> I, I, would a- hey, I would ask a guy, how'd you do today? He said, I had uh, 30 in the first game and 28. I said, did you win? Uh, we lost one and one one. Well, which one did you lose and which one did you win? I mean, who who are the best players you're playing against? Who do you like the best? Ah, they're all pretty good. Like, you're not even noticing another guy out there. And it's not, it's, it's, it's the, at the end of the day, what I keep telling him, and, and Pat Riley said this to me, your guys come out and they're competitive. They know how to be good teammates and they know how to share. And if I can teach my guys that before they go in the league, that's why 70% of our guys that got drafted have gotten to second contracts. I believe it's they are talented. They are good enough to do it. If any of them didn't live up, most of it came back to, all right, your competitiveness, your ability to share, your ability to be a great teammate. How many guys are going to go in that league? Jay will, and they're going to be the max guy. How many of them? You're going to be a role player. You're going to know how yep. to share. Now, how about you learn how to share, but you go into the league, and then you're Anthony Davis, Carl Towns, DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall, uh, uh, Derek Rose, and you're going to shoot most of the balls. Even though you didn't shoot most of the balls for us, you will on your NBA team. That holds you back? You still learned how to work, to share, to be a great teammate. But that's, that's the challenge of this because the easiest way in their minds, all these players, is to put up numbers. And you and I know that's not what they're looking at. They're not looking at numbers. The, the stuff that you talked about is what they look at. And so that's my challenge. All right, let me ask you this. You said the one-and-done rule should be changed to a mandatory three years. I believe, mm-hmm. I believe they should be able to come out of high school if they choose to. And, Agreed. And now I don't think they should have to stay. I mean, come out after high school, come out after one year, two years, whenever you want to come out. If we're about the kids, that's what you have to do. And I say it, this is my reasoning. If a kid grows from 6'6 to 6'10 in one year and you're making him stay another year and then he gets injured, that's not fair. It's just not fair. I mean, come out when you want. But if you are going to make him stay in school – all right, we got to take better care of these kids. You got to do more for these kids. It's just how it is. 
in my opinion. You, you said one and done rule and with some revenue sharing. Why don't you just go ahead and, you know, tell us what, you know, what you're talking about with that. Yeah, well, well, first off, I believe any kid should be able to capitalize on his market value at any given time, right? So I get that this is a, this is a rule uh, or, you know, something that's in place from the NBA, right? It's not from the NCAA. But, you know, my thing is that on, on a bare minimum, the NCAA makes $900 million this year just off the TBS and Turner contract alone. But they're, an, am- but they're, an, but they're an amateur organization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How ironic is that? Um, so, I mean, it, that's we'll have some fun this weekend. Make sure you check out that reveal, Cal. I think you'll appreciate it. But um, you know, I, I think that's I find that fascinating, right? So, like, look, I, I'm all about kids getting education. I'm not saying that just because you go to college, you're getting an education that's conducive to you being successful once you leave school, right? Uh, you still have to manage your workout load, whatever else you're going to get, travel, all that other stuff. But it, there, there should be some kind of rev sharing agreement in there, and everybody else is allowed that, to make that money they get when they, they leave. That they that there is it's put in a an account that when they leave, that's theirs. Is that what you mean? Maybe on a bigger scale, yeah. Maybe something. And look, it's going to be. We live in a capitalistic society. You go to Kentucky, you're going to make more money than if you go to Winthrop. All right. So let me ask you: Should the kids be able to sign autographs and make money while they're in college? One hundred percent. Are you kidding me? Right. I agree. You know why they'll never do it? Because Kentucky would have a huge advantage, so we're not doing that. <laughs> that one is out. I agree. Why would you tell me I go out and, and, and like anybody else, I, I sign a bunch of autographs and I, I'm not paid now. But mo- if you're an athlete, you're paid. You have guys that go through pros that do not sign autographs, so when they retire, their autograph has value. So why yep. wouldn't a kid in high school or in college sign autographs for free when if he wanted to go have a, a setting and on weekends sign autographs and make some money? What's the big problem? I don't understand. Well, it's the same way when I play when I play a game in college and you see hundreds of people with your jersey on with your name on the back <laughs> of the jersey, and you're sitting there being like, "Whoa, hold on!" I, I'm very and then who's getting this? Like who's getting this money? Where are we going? <laughs> Where's it going? I'm so confused right now. Like I have to ask my mom to borrow thirty bucks for for my food card. Hey, and what would I'm happen if assistant food. gave you a hamburger? Everybody got uh, arrested. I'm done. Everybody got my arrested. College, my college, my college crews, no and void. I'm done. I'm I'm labeled a cheater. Right, you cheated because you were starving like, for a, a hamburger. Who, who's the biggest cheater here? <laughs> Are you talking about the non for profit entity that takes in over a hundred million dollars a year each year? I, it's I lose my mind with this type of stuff. And I know fans want to get into what well, you're receiving here in education. And, you know, I'm still paying, paying my student loans. And I say, look, I understand the grind of paying your student loans. I understand how blessed I was to play basketball for Duke or other players who play for Kentucky. But when you start recognizing that this is a multi-billion dollar industry, billion, not million, billion dollar industry, the game is completely different than what it was 30 years ago. Kyle, it's a joke these days. Well, here, here's my thing. The ship is turning toward the players, but it's so slow. And we need voices. Like, look, I'm not afraid to speak my mind because I really believe it. And my stuff is always, what does this do to the kids? And, and you know, it, what you're saying, um, 
I, I don't believe in anything that's mandatory for these kids. And I tell the NBA, here's my other, I got a pet peeve now. I'm going to give this one to you. If they are using the D-League to get high school players to go to the D-League directly, I think it's wrong. And not based on Kentucky. Listen, Jay Will, we'll eat first. Whatever the rules are, Kentucky's eating first. And then everybody else can eat after us. So none of it matters to me that way. But think about society. Eighth, ninth, and tenth graders saying, well, I can go right to the D-League, so I'm not going to do this academic stuff. I don't need the academic stuff. Who is it going to hit? It's going to hit urban kids. It's going to hit kids mm-hmm. from the inner city, and it's exactly the kids that we need to help most. And we're encouraging them not to do education and worry about the D-League. And I'm telling you right now, I think the head of the NCAA would want, would want that so that he doesn't have to deal with this one and done. It's an NBA rule. It's not a college rule. It's not my rule. It's an NBA rule. And so my thing is, use the D-League to give more opportunities for NBA players. Pay them more. Give them a living wage instead of 17, 18, mm-hmm. 20,000. Give them a living wage. But now you have, when they get to the league, they have more opportunities to play. It's never going to be minor league baseball. You're never going to be in the D League more than two years. You won't. They're not going to keep you in the D League eight years. They're going to try new guys every year to see if they find the diamond in the rough. The D League right now, if one player a year is joined to that team and plays rotational minutes, I'm amazed. Think about what I just said. So basically, the D-League is not like developing talent. It's, it's giving guys a chance if they need more time, bringing guys down and up, which they're already in the league, and then it is, all right, let's give more opportunities, let's give a living wage. That's my opinion. The other of encouraging high school kids to go to the D-League – is wrong. Our kids get a lifetime education here, lifetime scholarship. Whenever they want to finish, they finish. So why wouldn't you go to school for a year, do the best, leave academically in order, and then come back five years, 10 years? We got guys coming back already. Dakari Johnson, uh, Julius Randle, John Wall. We got a bunch of guys. Brandon Knight was the best student I've ever recruited, ever been around, the best, all A's. And you know what? He hadn't started back, but he will. He's got 60 college credits. So I'm big and saying a lot about the D-League. I just hope they use it for the NBA and not to encourage high school kids because I see for society a bad thing. Well, how come he can't even draft kids and then let them go to college? Why is that a bad thing? Yeah, are saying, hey, okay, like, you know, well, look, we, we could drop this kid, but we want him to stay in college for three years to learn underneath John Calipari. Yeah. Like, is that, would that be difficult for you to coach a kid that already drafted to a team, but you have him for three years to continuously work on his game? I think if we all get together and we make decisions based on the kids, not the NBA, not college basketball, but these kids, what's the best thing? Why wouldn't you want those kids in the NBA to be more prepared for the opportunities to be better basketball players so that the product's better. I mean, I, I, it, it could be good for everybody. Uh, and again, when I, make, when I make a statement like this, they'll say, ah, oh, he just Kentucky. We'll eat first. I don't care what the rules are. You could say we're going to keep them in school four years or we're let them leave as juniors in high school. It doesn't matter. You're Kentucky. You're going to eat first. I'm just worried mm. about what they are. Now, 
we got to wind this down. So I want to talk a little bit about your family, your grandparents. Ronald Reagan honored your grandparents. Can you talk a little bit about that? Tell me how that came about, because you talk about one of the ultimate leaders uh, that created hope and, and did it a different way. I mean, you may not believe, believe in yeah. his, his policies, but I'll tell you what, he created hope for a lot of people. But he honored your grandparents. I mean, tell me how that went. Well, first off, I'm very impressed that you were able to do your due diligence to find that out. That's impressive, Cal. Really come on, impressive. come on, come on. You know I'm, <laughs> come on, you know I'm going to no, go to the I, details. <laughs> I come from, uh, my dad was born and raised in Fort Lauderdale. He was you know, one of 10. And um, you know, my, my grandmother, she was my nana, was always involved in education. She was very big on education. And they both did a, a ton for the community in Fort Lauderdale and helping young kids get out of their environment and then also come back to their environment where they were able to make a difference, right? Come back to their home and make a difference once they were educated. And my grandmother, Elizabeth Snelling Williams, was um, honored by Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan uh, at the White House. And uh, we actually have a picture at home. I think I'm about two or three years old or I'm dressed in a little suit. It's like I'm, I'm a mini commentator you were, at the time. You were, you, were, um, you were three years old, but go ahead. Yeah, it's a baby. <laughs> Thank you. See, once again, you tell me details of my life. This is amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it was the first time that I remember, and it's funny, I can remember this. I remember my, my parents talking about politics to a certain degree. And I look like both my mother and my father, they're Democrats. Um, you know, I'm independent. But it's uh, it's one of these things that I grew up in this type of environment where they've always been very cognizant of what's happening culturally and politically. And uh, it was because of my grandmother, um, because of having parents that were like that. And the beautiful thing about coming from an educated background, and Kyle, you'd be surprised at how much I get this. People, I get so pissed off at this um, that sometimes people will come up to me and they say, well, you're really articulate. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to be as as, as a a young black man? Like, how am I supposed to be? Like I am going to be articulate. And, you know, when I would, there's a sense of identity that sometimes I think it's it's so fascinating within our culture of saying like, all right, when I'm on the corner and I'm with my friends, if I talk this way, you know, my friends back in the day were like, well, like you're an uncle Tom, man. Like you're white. I'm like, well, wait, because I'm articulate. That means I'm, I'm white. Like that's a problem. And then when I would go to my school and I was around, you know, all Caucasian kids or Asian kids, again, I would dress maybe with a little bit of swag or whatever, maybe have some edge to myself just like you. They're like, well, yeah, well, you know, you're really hood. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I'm, I'm, I'm really hood now. I just got told I was white before. So like my thing is that I, I think that's, that comes from my grandparents. That comes from my parents where I inspire like, Hey, look, like I want, I want our young athletes to be regardless of whatever their ethnicity is, or whatever their race is to be the best representation for this sport. And I, I talked to these young kids, Hey, you want to be a millionaire? You want to be a billionaire? Like, first off, I made a mistake. I was wrong for it, but I, I was lucky enough to have an education where I, I could do, I wanted to use basketball as a, as a backup. My education was going to be my primary because I had a platform that I wanted to leverage. I wanted to build off of, I wanted to be a billionaire. Um, and, I, and I'm working at it in a different capacity, but how do we help younger athletes have that same mentality where they, you know, they, they can handle an interview. They can find themselves in 
business room conversations with CEOs, with executives, with your with what you teach your guys to do when they come back to your fantasy camps and rub elbows. It's crazy. Can I can I tell you this? Just can just listening to you, you know who that is? That's your grandmother. That's your grandmother talking. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Bringing them back, getting them educated, understand. You know, I mean, you think about you, that's your grandmother talking and probably your mother saying the same thing that, look, you are, this is who you are and your color does not, the color of your skin does not define who you are. It's what's inside you and your mind and your curious mind. And I I just tell you that, that, you know, Knowing you and and then I you know I did a little research I like to to have some ideas about guys, but I, I can say this without any reservation, it really doesn't matter what you do you're going to be successful and you learned it from basketball you learned it through your competitive spirit you played in one of the top programs right behind Kentucky but one of the top programs and one of the top coaches with one of the top staffs and and you know what I, it, this is what people won't understand I, I coached Christian Leitner at camp love him Grand Hill I coached him at camp love him you know how I feel about you there are players at Duke I don't care that you go to Duke I just want to know what kind of person you are what kind of guy are you? And and what I've seen of the players that have gone through there, most of them are like you guys. And, you know, you're looking at this too much is given, much is expected. And when you look at the guys I'm talking about that were in the program, how many of them, yeah, some guys are fighting for their lives because that's how it is. Life is hard. But even those guys will give back. And I think it makes you who you are. Um, what you're about, your competitive spirit. Um, you love mixing it up. That's why I love you the best. You love saying stuff that drives people crazy. And I, and you know me, I do the same. And I will say this. If you're obsessed with anyone, you lose. And that statement made me think, well, if I can make them obsessed with me, I'll win. So I'll say stuff and they'll go nuts and they're obsessed with cow. Then I won. Then I won. Oh, my God. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Listen, Jay will you're a great friend. You're a good man. You're great at what you do. You're a great spokesman. Um, I hope you had fun with this because I, I, every time I do something like this and I'm with somebody that's as talented as you, I grow and I get better. And I did from this. Um, we're going to see you this weekend. I can't wait till you pull that Jersey off and either get stuff thrown (laughs) at you or they jerk down your uniform number. One of the two is happening or they have no idea how to react at all. Something's thrown at you or they're going to climb. They'll climb the rafters and take that number down, or you're going to get toilet paper (laughs) thrown at you. Either one, but you know, what's great. You'll deal with it. You'll deal with it. You know, Cal, I'll, I'll say this in closing, man. Yeah, I, I talk to a lot of different coaches all the time. The one thing I've always admired about you is that you do what you say you're going to do. And um, there, there are not too many people out there that follow through in the bigger game, which is the game of life. And I commend you for that, man. Well, I appreciate it. And, and Jay Will, I'm always here for you. Good luck, and I will see you on the road, my friend. All right, brother. Thank you. After listening to Jay Williams, Jay Will, 
Don't you think more of him? Don't you look at him and say, wow, this is, he's more than just basketball. He has aspirations to be this person. And when you listen to what he says about college basketball, he's not afraid to speak his mind. We need more people that will speak their mind, that will tell the powers that be that, no, this isn't right. And here's why it's not right. You're not screaming just to scream. Here's my educated opinion. Love the conversation. Enjoyed the back and forth. Um, my opinion, his opinion. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed going back and forth. That's one of my favorites. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed the conversation. Mm-hmm.